Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. And this is series four of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. And in this series, it's coming live at the time of the coronavirus global pandemic and the UK is currently on lockdown. So in the coming weeks, I will be sharing my insights into the uncertainty that we're facing the experiences that my clients and colleagues are talking about, and I'll also be interviewing leaders in business on the various experiences that they've got. And my goodness, are we all having our own version of the same experience with different outcomes and different responses to it? So stay tuned and you'll find out more in the coming weeks. This week, the tables have been turned because Duncan Brody of Goals and Achievements interviewed me on for his podcast on the skills that are needed by leaders in uncertain times. And of course, I had plenty to say about that. I mean, not only did I write the book on leading through uncertainty, in the last four weeks since we've been in lockdown, I've run over 20 masterclasses, as well as having multiple additional conversations with people uncertainty and leading through it has dominated my thoughts and I'll be honest occasionally my sleep as well as I've learned even more about this topic from every interaction with every person as well as having my own experience of uncertainty as well so um, Duncan is somebody that I've known for years we met through our coaching training and he is an outstanding coach um, coaching mostly in the finance sector and coaching accountants and and people in the finance industry. Um, He had some brilliant conversation with him, so have a listen to this. Hi everyone, it's Duncan Brody here from Goals and Achievements. We're into week five, I think, of uh, COVID-19. Lots of people working from home, lots of uncertainty about the future. So today I'm delighted to be joined by someone who's a real expert in leadership in uncertain times, Jude Jennison. Welcome, Jude. Thanks, Duncan. Good to be here. Great. So, Jude, could you start off by telling me a bit about your career in your business for the benefit of people who maybe don't know you? Yeah, so I started my career working for IBM and I... um, was one of the one of the first and one of the few people that had an arts degree rather than a science or a maths degree so I stuck out a little bit quite early on and and also a woman in a technology industry in the early 90s was quite unusual and what I realized was that I needed to develop different skills because I didn't have technical skills I had no desire to learn technical skills I don't know why I was in a technology business but I was And so I developed leadership skills. And of course, in the 90s, we didn't call them leadership. Um, But I developed the art of being given something in the business that was undefined, unclear. And I would be the person that would um, go in and have a look and have the courage, really, to look at it and say, I've no idea what we need to do here, but we must, you know, there must be a way of making it better. So let's have a look, let's build the team and then let's execute something. And so I became very skilled and and developed that skill without really realising it for about 17 years and did a whole range of of different roles. And I I trained as a coach and that's how we met years Mm -hmm. ago and uh, 10 years ago, more than that, 12 years ago now. 
Is it? Yeah. Is it really that many? Yeah. Um, so I trained as a coach and I was coaching people in IBM just for fun, really, because I enjoyed it. And then I decided to leave and set up a leadership and coaching business. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years. And I um, came across some work with horses and I'm not a horse person. Um, and in fact, I used to be frightened of horses. And I, in the process of overcoming my fear of horses, I learned a way of working with them that enables people to understand how they show up as a leader and in a team and how they communicate and particularly non-verbally because mm -hmm. horses respond based on your energy. So what you're thinking, what you're feeling, all of your emotional intelligence, they'll respond based on that. And they're pretty clear. They're either coming with you or they're not. So there's, there's nowhere to hide with your leadership. They're either saying yes or they're saying no to it. And what horses want is the same thing that people want from a leader, which is, um, I mean, they want lots of things, but, but sort of the, the two key things that horses want is they want you to be clear about where you're going. So they want the vision and the direction mm -hmm. and the clarity. And they want you to have a strong relationship based on trust and respect. And they want to know that they've got an opinion in that and that they can choose whether they come or not. And if you provide all of that, then, then they'll engage with you willingly, which I think is the same with people. If you're clear where you're going, you invite people through relationship based on trust and respect, then people are much more willing than if you just tell them what to do. Um, and so that's, that's the work that I now do with, with the horses. Oh, fantastic. And uh, yeah, I mean, you make a great point there. Uh, people, the days of, I guess, command and control, telling people what to do and expecting them to jump are probably gone forever. Well, I hope, I hope so. I mean, I think, I think there's still pockets of it. And I think people do still, um, do still jump when they're told what to do. And usually it's fear driven. You know, it's fear of if I don't do as I'm told, I'll lose my job. And, and of course, people aren't engaged. They're not inspired. Um, and if you think back, you know, 20 years ago, people were working, uh, waiting to retire. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because work wasn't actually that much fun. Whereas now, I think when we engage people and we use that human connection, that human touch, and people are coming willingly, then, I mean, I've got no desire to retire. Mm -hmm. because I love what I do and I think you know and I, and I build a team both of horses and humans where they want to come with me because the moment they don't then there's a different question you know and a different conversation to have. Okay great so um, you've alluded to some of the things that make a good leader um, so let's think about in normal times for whatever normal yeah it has been you know what what have you found has been really effective over the course of your career when it's a kind of business as usual as a leader i think clarity is is crucial and by clarity i don't mean that a leader needs to have all the answers i think it's actually equally important to be clear when you don't have the answers um that's a form of clarity to say actually i don't know what do you think Mm -hmm. um, that for me is about providing clarity. I think recognizing that you don't have all the answers means that you open the conversation to what do you think? How do we collaborate more effectively? Um, and what that opens us up to is 
to having a more diverse conversation. So including different voices in the conversation. And I think, you know, the days of it just being, if you, if you agree with me, then great, you can be on the team. Those days are gone or going. I mean, they're, they're still around a little bit, but I think there's recognition now that you need to have different points of view. And of course that slows things down and makes it more complex. But unless you include all of those voices, then you're not creating an inclusive organization. So um, I think that's important. I think a level of humility and vulnerability is really crucial in a leader now. And, and again, those are really challenging concepts for people to, to grasp. People are scared to be vulnerable. Um, there's, there's still a desire to be in control, which of course is why we rail against uncertainty and rail against change because it's uncomfortable. Um, but I think getting comfortable with the discomfort is really crucial. Yeah, and it's sometimes, isn't it, uh, when I look back over my career, I mean, certainly when I think about the times when you got real growth, um, it was often when you were up against the most challenging situations. Mm. And often in those moments, there's a sense of there becomes a really clear vision. Mm -hmm. There becomes a desire to collaborate and a recognition that there is safety in, in going together. Mm -hmm. um, and people tend to be more vulnerable, more honest and more clear. And so all of the things that we need often come to a head in a crisis, which is why we're so good at it. Mm -hmm. Which is odd because we, we, we're frightened of change and we're frightened of being out of control and we're frightened of a crisis, but we're actually really good in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent about 15 years of my career working in the NHS. Um, and in some respects, it's a strange thing to say the NHS is actually more effective in crisis than it is in a business as usual situation. Mm. You know, because people do forget when basically everybody comes together, everybody aims for the same thing. So that, that point you were making earlier about having the direction, etc. So we're obviously in unusual, uncertain times right now with the, the COVID-19. How do leaders need to adapt? Um, in lots of ways. I mean, I think, you know, firstly, people are working from home. Mm -hmm. And so that creates a new dynamic for a lot of businesses. You know, there are still many, many businesses that until recently thought that remote working couldn't work. And, and actually, they've proved to themselves that, that it can. Um, but what we have to pay attention to is the levels of connection. Um, there's been a rise in the, you know, the video conferencing, which is brilliant, but it's still not the same as when you're face to face. You still don't get quite the same sense of feeling about somebody's energy or, you know, or, or if they're putting a brave face on it, it's harder to see on a video conference. So I think we need to pay more attention to that. I think the other thing is that it's very easy to get um, excited about one form of communication that is your own preferred form of communication and then just stick with that. Whereas actually everybody needs different forms of communication. So I think blending, you know, a mix of text and phone and video and email and, you know, 
different ways of communicating and sometimes one-to-one and sometimes in groups and sometimes in a big group, sometimes in small ones. But I think the other key thing that we're having to adapt to is the volatility of emotions. And that's really what I've been talking about with uncertainty for years, because I've seen that the minute somebody walks through my gate to work with my horses, everything's uncertain for them. And I see a whole range of emotions um, get played out within a team. And I've seen that repeatedly, you know, with over two and a half thousand people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I wrote about this. So, so I wrote the book Leading Through Uncertainty, which was published two years ago. And I wrote extensively about some of the emotions that we have. And, and I'm continuing to have those conversations with clients. And I think they're surprised because I think there's a tendency that emotions are pushed down um you know we're expected to be happy we're expected to be positive we're expected to be grateful for what we've got um and 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 there's actually a name for it it's called toxic positivity um and and what i'm regularly speak to is there's another range of emotions that we don't like like stress and overwhelm and anxiety and fear um that cause polarization, that cause resistance, that cause people to disengage, that cause people to engage in conflict, um, to lose their temper. Um, and all of that is normal in uncertainty. And, yeah. and so what I've been really encouraging people to, to do is to say, pay attention to your emotional state, but also to the emotional state of your team. And, you know, I think for years it's been normal that if you ask somebody, how are you, they have two responses. One is fine or good. And the other one is I'm really busy. Yeah. And, and more recently, really busy isn't, doesn't cut it. So it has to be excessively busy or, or, yeah. or ridiculously busy. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, that's not that's not changed for a lot of people. And it has for others. Um. So I think it's really important to recognize that everybody's got a different experience of this. Mm. And, and what I noticed really early on was that, um, you know, on, on social media, people would be sharing their experience as though they assumed that everybody had the same experience. And to recognize that actually for all of us, it's different. And it changes moment by moment as well. Yeah, it's a great point, isn't it? It's, it's that point that I guess we learn from um, training as coaches about perspectives, that everybody doesn't view the, the situation through the same lens or through the same pair of glasses or whatever it might be. And I think it is that adapting, isn't it? And I, I really like the point you make about, you know, leaders themselves need to understand and accept that they're going to have their, their dips, their wobbles too. It's not about being... Superman or superwoman in these times it's actually about acknowledging that mm. you're going to have your wobbles you're going to have your doubts because you're maybe having to make some pretty tough and uncomfortable decisions yeah well and the other thing to this is that normally in uncertainty an uncertainty gets created by massive change yeah so you know whether that's change that you create yourself by you know, getting married, going on holiday, having a new job, or whether it's uncertainty like this that's thrust on us. Um, Normally in uncertainty, we have a support network around us. 
Mm -hmm. So if you get married, your family are supporting you, your friends are supporting you, your colleagues at work will probably support you. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to navigate all of the uncertainty. And it's probably one small part of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Right now, our lives are affected, our work is affected, our family and friends, and everybody worldwide is in it. And although people say we're in this together, although we're in the same experience, we're all having those different experiences mm-hmm. of it. So sometimes it feels like we're not in it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody is <clears throat> furloughed and enjoying the sunshine and the time with their kids, there's somebody else who's working, um, you know, maybe employment lawyers who are busier than ever. They're trying to manage homeschooling and a higher workload. Yes. They're not enjoying the sunshine and the time with their kids because their stress levels just gone through the roof. And so often people are assuming that everybody's got the same experience when they haven't. Yeah, and that's a good, yeah, it's a really good point there because, uh, you know, I'm an accountant by profession. I work a lot with accountants and uh, certainly that's a group who are having to really pan in the hours right now because of the demands on them because people are wanting things modelled 50 different ways, they've got to be really tight on the cash, they've got to be really you know, focused on the basics. So yeah, I think that's a great point you talked to there about everyone needing to, you know, everyone in a different situation. And I think also what happens is when the workload is, is high like that, you get teams that rally around together, mm-hmm. but their focus is operationally are we all moving together operationally? Yeah. It's very easy to forget. Um, emotionally, we might not be all moving forward together. Yeah. So separating the task piece from the the, the non-task piece, I guess, mm. is a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what, so what differentiates a leader who really stands out in uncertain times in your experience? Um, It's the ones who have the humility to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the ones who can hold the emotion without needing to fix it. Because actually it's it's not the leader's job to fix everybody's emotion in the team but actually give space to it and, and make it be okay. Mm. Um, make it be okay to have the emotion. Because let's face it, there is grief and there is loss and, and anger mm. and frustration and, and a whole range of emotions as well as joy and laughter and gratitude. So having the ability to hold space for that is really important. And communicate like you've never communicated before. You know, I think you can never... Um, communicate enough and and listening skills I mean we all like to think as leaders we all like to think we're good listeners but you know let's face it when you've got polarization most people just stop listening they stop listening to the people they disagree with Mm -hmm. and they start listening more to the people they agree with and actually what we need to do is listen more to the polarization because in there there are nuggets that are being missed and that are not being heard and understood Mm -hmm. Um, so and the flexibility i think it's it's all of the things that are a struggle for leaders because you're completely out of control so you're no longer this 
heroic leader in charge of a team and providing the clarity and the vision and the direction that everybody assumes is what's needed. Actually, what, what is needed more is to bring people together to hold space for different conversations to be had in a different way, for emotions to be expressed and heard and understood. And nothing needs to be fixed. You know, we don't know what's going to happen next week. We don't know what's going to happen physically, financially, economically. Like so much is uncertain. You know, our health, the economy, when will we be out of the lockdown? All of those things are, are so uncertain and we can't fix them. So actually an ability to be in the uncertainty without your stress level rocketing through the roof, which is actually really difficult because, um, you know, the, the existential psychology research shows that our anxiety increases um, with four things. And those four things are death or, or endings. So it's not necessarily death of life. It could be endings of, you know, the loss of what we thought our career was. Mm-hmm. Um, isolation, which we've got. Freedom which we've lost, mm-hmm. and meaninglessness. And there is a sense for some people of, is my work meaningful? You know, whether they're furloughed or whether they're working 300 bars an hour, they're questioning how meaningful their work is right now. Yeah. So it's no wonder that our existential anxiety is through the roof because all four of, thing, four of those things are absolutely at the forefront of everybody's mind right now. And the research shows that as soon as your awareness increases of those things, your anxiety increases. So we need to really pay attention to how we manage our anxiety when the natural state and natural response would be for it to go through the roof. Because we're questioning our very existence right now. Yeah. So is it is there any tips that you've got around kind of managing that anxiety? Um, I think recognising it goes a long way to bringing it down um you know every time i felt my anxiety going through the roof i've thought oh what am i anxious about oh i'm anxious about what's going to happen next week okay let that go and somehow just paying attention to it and being aware of it and then saying i can't fix it because it's in the future and to bring myself back to the present and focus on what's here right now what can i do today that moves me in the direction that I would like to go without knowing what that is. Yeah. It's not easy. It, no, it, it definitely isn't. Yeah. And I mean, I, I certainly know myself that uh, at times you kind of get into that, oh, okay, I wonder when, but you've just, as you say, you've got to just pull yourself back and then say to yourself, actually, you know what? Just focus on now. Um, just focus on the things that you can do something about. Forget about the things you can. So you mentioned all the, you know, what's going to happen to the economy, what's going to happen to jobs, what's going to happen to careers. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. Um, that's the, that's the simple, the simple answer. Um, we can have lots of perspectives or opinions or points of view. But at the end of the day, we don't know, do we? I mean, it's all speculation. Just, yeah. And, and, the, and the challenge with that, and we're seeing that in the media where they're pushing the government for answers, yes. where there are no answers to be had yet. Yes. And, you know, in hindsight, we'll be able to look back and say which countries did this well and which didn't do it well. Yeah. But the reality is this is a social experiment 
and an economic experiment yeah. and a public health experiment because by its very nature in uncertainty, everything is unknown. And that's really challenging for us because what we want to do is nail it down and make it be known. Yes. And we can only focus on what's here and now. But the other side to that is what we then have to also put aside is not just the letting go of um, what's known and the strategy and the planning, which we all love to do and, and is usually seen as the qualities of a great leader. Um, we're also putting aside things like we can't plan our holidays mm-hmm. um, or a wedding or, you know, or even planning a funeral is more challenging mm-hmm. because the, you know, the way that it has to be done is different. And so planning of any kind of all the things that provide hope and opportunity for the future, like planning a career change, all of that is on hold. And, and that really takes a lot of the hope out of life. And hope is a great an- antidote for anxiety. So, of course, you can see how in uncertainty, anxiety can just grow and grow and grow. You know, this, this is going to take mammoth resilience from all of us. And I think the, the knock-on effect on mental health um, is going to be here for years, decades to come. And... I guess as well, there's something too, isn't there, about is seeing the opportunities um, in these difficult times because we're seeing lots of people in our line of work having to think differently about how they operate. They're having to find ways of serving whoever they serve. Mm. Well, um, absolutely, because my work with the horses has just, you know, dropped off a off a cliff and. And I don't know when that's going to come back. And, and that generates some anxiety for me. And I have to just keep letting that go. But in the meantime, what I have done, because I wrote the book, you know, published the book Leading Through Uncertainty two years ago. And, and I've presented on the topic for two years, but never done it online. And, and actually what I did was I did, um, I contacted a client and said, you know, let's do this online. And I blended a bit of team coaching in with it as well. So it wasn't just a presentation. And so what I noticed quite early on was that instead of just recording a webinar and just sending out a recording to everyone, there was more value in doing it in small groups where I could actually include people in the conversation and get them to share their experience. And so that's the opportunity that I've created. And then alongside that, then it's made me think, well, you know, my work is more than just working with horses. There's real value that I can add by sharing the work around uncertainty because it's a topic that, you know, I live and breathe it. And it's as uncomfortable for me as it is for everyone. But I, because I understand it, I can probably cope more easily than, than many. But just being able to share my experience of that and then create a conversation around it, I think it's really profound. And and there's a bit of me that says, why didn't I do this two years ago? <laughs> so there's, yeah. you know, there's one example of opportunity. And, you know, I think we've seen real resourcefulness in, in lots of businesses, you know, particularly businesses that have innovated for the NHS and, you know, but in lots of other ways. I think, you know, what it's, what it's done is, is it's changed the, the course of a lot of businesses and made people say, is this meaningful? Is it meaningful now? And if it's not meaningful now, well, what other skills have I got? Because, you know, I'm not just the work with the horses. I'm, you know, I've got 17 years corporate experience. 
you know, team coaching, coaching, so many other things that we can bring. And I think, you know, like you're doing with these podcasts, I think there's so many different things that do create an opportunity and create an opportunity for us to think about what's the world that we want to create in the future as well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point, isn't it? Because, um, you know, what, whatever it would be going forward, I mean, I think we may well find ourselves in a, a bit of a new norm. Yeah, I, you know, and I hope that we can have new conversations that are around purpose and meaning, um, you, you know, that we can start to think more carefully about what's the impact on people, you know, on profit, but also on people and the planet so that things are not just purely financially driven. And I'm sorry to the accountants who are listening, <laughs> but finances are not all of the picture. Um, you know, and I think the more that we understand that, the more well-rounded we can build a society and business. Hmm. Yeah, and, it, uh, and you know what? I mean, it's interesting because the words that I hear a lot of the times when I'm working with accountants, particularly around landing the next job, it really isn't about you know financial performance, etc. It is about the making a difference. It's about mm-hmm. contribution. It's about the personal challenge, personal growth. Absolutely. Um, it people you know progress their career up the career ladder because mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day, I mean, let's be brutally honest. Um, when you start off in your career. It is all about um, the finances, isn't it? And how can you increase your earnings? Uh, I started off at 15, earning £30 a week. So money was, in those early stages, was a bit of a motivator. But once you get to a more senior level, um, where money is really not the deciding factor, you start to look at different things, don't you? I think so. And I I also think that it's, you know, once, once you're financially, once you've satisfied your basic needs of, you know, can I feed and, you know, provide for the family and put a roof over my head? And, you know, once you've satisfied those, people want meaningful work and people want to make a difference. And I think, you know, the workplace is changing now in that the, the job for life no longer exists. And that creates an opportunity for people to, instead of being stuck in the same job for 30, maybe even 40 years, they can say, is this meaningful? Is this valuable? Does this make me want to leap out of bed at 6am on a Monday morning? And if it's not, then like, there's an opportunity to do something in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's exciting. I, I, I would agree with you 100%. And uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk now, isn't there, about people having five or six careers now? Definitely. And I, you know, I mean, I think, well, even in IBM, you know, I worked there for 17 years. I had a different job every year. So, uh, so mm. I, I realised that I was always a bit of an entrepreneur at heart and I was always someone that needed a lot of variety. Mm. Um, I'm not a steady state leader. I'm, I'm very much, a, here's something that's in chaos. How do we make sense of it? How do we build a team and how do we move it forward? And, and that's my skill set. And I think, you know, once people know what they're good at, you can carve your own career out of that. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, lots of um, ideas, lots of thoughts there. What would be your three top tips for leaders in uncertain times? If you can narrow it down to three. Um, Pay attention to emotions, both yours and others. Um, Create conversation, like really open dialogue and conversation 
and recognize that we're all human, that we're all muddling our way through life and work and to have compassion for yourself and others. Brilliant. That's, it's, it's three, three great tips. So um, you've shared a ton of great stuff, Jude, um, as always. Um, if people want to learn a bit more about you and your work, where should they go? Um, well, you can go to my website, leadwithjude.com. And there's a whole range of things that you can, the free resources that you can download from there. There's a, there's a report on the nine top tips for leading through uncertainty, a whole range of blogs and podcasts and things as well that they can find out. Okay, brilliant. Well, Jude, it's been an absolute um, pleasure speaking to you this morning. Um, on behalf of everyone who's going to be watching this, uh, thanks very much for your contributions. Um, and as I'm saying to everyone, stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks, Duncan. That was so much fun being interviewed by Duncan. He's such a brilliant interviewer because as a coach, he just keeps delving deeper and asking more questions. So I really enjoyed that. I hope you did too. For years, I've been saying there's no right or wrong way to lead through uncertainty. By definition, it's uncertain and unclear. So we don't have all the answers. And I know that's uncomfortable for people. And it requires us to step into a new way of leadership, which is much more fluid, flexible and emergent. And that's challenging for people to grasp. And I cannot wait until I can get people out working with the horses to feel their way through this way of leading again. But for now, my words seem to be helping leaders make sense of what they're experiencing for themselves, their teams and their families as well. So I hope that's been of use to you this week. So that's it for this week. Come back soon and hear some further insights from other people that I interview. And in future, I'll also be sharing some of my insights as well. I was your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature, author of the book, Leading Through Uncertainty. And if you want to find out more, you can find me on www.judejennison.com. Mm-hmm.